from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quackett Smith. Me, oh my, I haven't enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Draft Rugby, the game they play in heaven. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 22 of the Draft Rugby Show, the show they play in heaven. I'm your host, Kagi, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, the Dale Brothers, Harry and Nelson. And tonight, I will certainly ask, um, after the Dale Brothers faced off in fantasy this week, I will ask Harry, how did that go and how are you feeling, mate? Uh, yeah, mate, we, we played each other two weeks in a row. Actually, three weeks in a row we've played each other. And Nelson's taken a total of zero wins from those three weeks. So I'm going fantastic. Fantastic in the grand final once again. This is why they pay me the big bucks. Look, it's good to see Nelson still smiling. I actually expected him to just end the call and just jump off right there. That's what I thought was more likely to happen. But uh, Nelson, mate, what excuses have you got for us? He might have a comeback rather than an excuse, I reckon. Yeah, look, no no excuses. You've got to give a dog a bone once in a while. I'm, I'm officially the most successful Dale son in the family. I've bought a house and I've got a kid due in five weeks. So most successful Dale son. And, you know, if if Harry needs fantasy footy to feel good about himself, then he can have it. Look, it had to be, we, we missed it, Harry. There was um a, you know, an excuse, comeback or a complete change of topic. We forgot that third option. We did, yeah, we missed um, it. And also, it's amazing, actually. Nelson said you've got to give a dog a bone. I was actually just thinking it's a, it's a amazing that you've had so many dogs and they've survived so long because I've never heard of you give a, giving a dog a bone. So um, <laughs> you <know>, it's, <laughs> it's huge. But um, anyway, let's get into I've got, rugby. I've got some game, uh, for a, a game before we get into the, the menu, mate. So uh, okay. I've hit 164 caps, uh, only outdone by the great Alan Wynne-Jones at the moment on 170. But uh, I thought maybe it will honour some of the greats in rugby. And uh, Nelson's on 142, Cargill on 132 caps this week. I was wondering if you guys knew who the great test rugby players were that you'd drawn even to. Cargill at 132, any ideas? Three questions. 132. Um, well, I'm getting up to eighth, eighth of all time. Is like Aaron Smith almost up there? Are we? Nah, uh, he's not yeah, that high. Not that high, too much. Um, eighth of all time. He is Kiwi though. Aaron Smith's on 114. You're on 132, mate. You're I think we've already past. we've already passed Richie McCaw. No, we have not. Richie no. McCaw's in second. McCaw's got to be above that, mate. You're not him. You're not that good. All right. Well, I feel like I'm just throwing daggers in the wind here. Um, do you want to just yeah, just tell me who it is? A hooker. Take a stab, All Blacks a hooker. hooker. Come on. An All Black. Oh, Kevin Mialamu. Mialamu. It's a man, Kevin Mialamu. And Very Nelson, one forty-two. How many stabs do I get at this? Just one, I think. You're up the pointy end of this list now, so we've talked about it recently. Can you? Can you I'm not Kiwi. Am I Kiwi? You are Kiwi. I'm Kiwi. Yeah. I'm Whitelock. Yes. That's it. Well played. That's Nelson doing his very best to pretend he didn't just look that up. <laughs> yeah, I got the same. Um, but, uh... No, mate. No. <laughs> look, I, my my first guess when if you said no, I was I, I thought maybe he had more than that. So I was I had other other people in my mind. So very good. Um. All right. Well. Uh. There you go. The pod caps. Uh. Almost as important as test caps. Uh, oh, I realised I actually got it wrong. <laughs> So it's, it's not him. Sergio Parise on 142. Sam <laughs> looks still ahead, 143. I blew it. <laughs> Sergio Parise got my hair style. I love That's it. That's solid, yeah. I like, I like that. That's I should give him the note. 
smooth. And I was just we were just talking, was it last week, saying I'm disappointed that he's not playing in this World Cup because he's still playing and he's still good. Um, he is good. But, um anyway, no, that's good to correct that. That's the we're always factually correct here on this podcast. So um that no, you you always get the right information with us. But Let's get into the menu for tonight for Entree. We're going to talk uh, talking points about the semifinals uh, for uh, main course. We're going to preview the Super Rugby Pacific Grand Final 2023. And for Deserto, we're just going to um, continue on from looking at Wallaby, uh, the Wallaby squad's uh, positions. And we're going to look at the most important position in the team props this week. So that should be a lot of fun. And hookers and smokies. <laughs> <laughs> and hookers and smokies, but probably all the most important. All the Obviously, most. just props. That's the main yeah. thing. So, yeah. Um, but before we do jump into that, Harry, did you want to give uh, an update on um, Subaru? Uh, there is only one, mate. He's a country mile ahead, and that's all I got. The app, the app won't even load for me right now. I think he's so far ahead; it's just destroyed the app. It's like county's points. <laughs> <laughs> there can be only one. How good! All right. Well, let's jump straight into it then uh, for entree. The semi-finals. We had two games on a Saturday and a Sunday. Uh, Crusaders absolutely belting the Blues, fifty-two can to we, fifteen. Can we just correct? There was no footy on Sunday. What did I say? Saturday, was... Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, Friday and Saturday, <laughs> mate. Hey, Friday, we're sometimes just... actually correct on this podcast, so I'm glad <laughs> that we got that. <laughs> Guys, okay, right. big, big stats from this one, right? Obviously, Crusaders got it done, 52-15. That's a late Blues try to make it look a little better. Again, the Crusaders just decided to play with 14 <laughs> at the end of the game rather than somebody went on because they're so good, they genuinely don't even have to field a full side. And, guys, they were up 52-8, to eight, which was above their score. No, it was the exact score. No, it was it was uh, <laughs> three ahead of what they had against the Andrua before the Blues scored late. But before this year, the Crusaders' biggest ever score in a finals match was 47 points against the Hurricanes. Last week against the Indrua, they scored 49 points, so they broke their record, and then they've broken it again this week with 52 points against the Blues. The most ridiculous score ever. Not only that, but also the last time the Blues conceded 32 points in the first half, was it was against the Bulls back in two thousand and nine, so just a cheeky fourteen odd years since they've been able to do that. So the crazy thing for me is that the numbers are so ridiculous. But this is a side that we thought was genuinely a weaker Crusaders side. Like this is meant to be hard. What the hell happened, mate? All I say is, does it not? Does this not sound like match fixing? You know what I mean? Then setting a new record, just setting it just a little bit higher, and then setting another record. It's like. Old mate Usain Bolt back in the day when you look like he still had he would break the world record but look like he still had more in the tank. He was saving it for future breaks. He wanted to break the record multiple times. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. So I think the Crusaders are obviously just gonna they're looking for probably a fifty-three point win yep. against the Chiefs in the finals. Well, fifty-five, fifty-five, I reckon. Just keep that trend of five points up each, uh, three points up each time. Yeah, huge. Um, any uh, any points from this one that still got stuck out for you, Nels? Oh look. In all honesty, this is just the Crusaders putting it together. This is this is shows us what we always thought about them. It doesn't matter who is on the field. It doesn't matter who's missing. They were missing eight All Blacks this this matchup. Um, and, and yes, they haven't been the same side all year that we we've come to know from them. But they were just waiting for finals. Like they they were just putting it together, building slowly. Got to this point in the last you know month or two, they have been phenomenal. 
and they are they are looking in red hot form, as good form as you know I can imagine from them. That last last week, this matchup was just insane. Like I don't think I've ever seen a shellacking like that in in finals, and that's including against Drua, including against any other Aussie side they they want to lump in with the the B grade teams in this competition. That was a shellacking. I agree. I think look to to our international listeners out there, if if anyone can think of any team that is more of a finals footy team than the Crusaders, then let us know because I just don't think there is one. And the way they're playing, I can't see any team, any club team in the world that's beating the Crusaders, even with eight All Blacks out. You know, like spoilers for what I'm what I think is going to happen this week. But anyway, the takeaway for me is the New Zealand sides they need to cut a team. It's it's too one sided. <laughs> The Crusaders are too strong. They need a cut team so then that way they can compete with the Crusaders. It's, can we make them Can you imagine if this was done against the Brumbies? Like they will be saying Australian rugby is broken. There's no point. This is the biggest, the biggest uh, rugby team in all of New Zealand. They've put everything behind this side to try and make them champions in the last three years. And they just got a like a record score put up against them. If this was Australia, we would never, ever, and the Australian team would never, ever hit the end of it. I think we should I cut them. I think we need to cut them. It's, I mean, the Highlanders didn't make finals, so yeah, maybe there's an argument for that. Cut two, um, but no, cut two teams. Cut two teams. Re- realistically, Australia does not have a New Zealand rugby problem. The rest of the competition, the entire competition, have a Crusaders problem. That's it. Cut the Crusaders. Make the comp even. The rest of the comp will be fine. Just get rid of them. Mate, the world has our Crusaders problem. Um, all right, <laughs> let's move on to the second semifinal for the weekend. The Chefs taking on the Brumbies and getting it done in not quite the same fashion, but a, a 19-6, very, very, very different hard-fought match. Um, in Was this one in, in Waikato or Hamilton? I forget exactly where it was. But, um, uh, yeah, two... Waikato. Waikato. Two very different games, but the Chiefs' defence, just too good. Like, just unbelievable, frankly. Well, I think they were tackling at 93% um, over the course of that game. And the Brumbies threw everything at them. But the Chiefs were too classy. Look, the, the Chiefs, they scored... Oh, sorry, the the, Brum, the Brumbies scored five tries against the Canes last week. Coming into this one, they didn't score a single try. If that doesn't explain, you know, how, how good that Chiefs D, D was, then I don't know what else could because that, that was an immense defensive effort by them to not let a single try in. I know the Brumbies weren't necessarily clicking as well as they did the week before, but I mean, it was that chief's defense and pressure that, that really shut them down. I think think really interesting as well was that um, the Brumbies only kicked the ball 30, 32 times. I think it was 33, 32 to the match. Mm -hmm. And I thought they started that game very much like the Reds did. They seemed to be trying to kick in behind playing the right areas, and the more the game went on, the more they went away from that. And they kind of, I think they started asking some really good questions early on, and then when they came up with nothing other than a few penalties, I think they kind of stressed out, panicked a little bit, and just kind of fell away from their game plan. Yeah. I agree. It does beg the question. I don't know when they were, where they were ever going to score, though. Like there, There was no point really where the Chiefs looked like they were unlucky Oh, they were lucky to get away without conceding a try. They were just unstoppable. Indeed. Yeah, really? they're gonna need, and they're going to need to be able to do that again to the Crusaders. So, huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Look, the, the other one for me was 
you know, as, as good as the Brumbies were, and they, they did play very well to, you know, I, I know it sounds like a one-sided score for those that didn't watch the game, but it was like a late penalty and a late and a late try, a very late try to the Chiefs, right? Like this was 77 minutes. It could have gone either way. And then the Chiefs just managed to get through, get through on uh, some Damian McKenzie brilliance and a Brady Retallick try to finish it off. But it was neck and neck for the entire match. Absolutely brilliant game. But two players, I think, really hurt their chances of the Rugby World Cup. And I thought that was... Noel Alessio, who I thought was given a brilliant opportunity by Debrasini coming off early with an HIA. And, you know, I think he looked pretty pumped to get on there. He looked pretty calm. And he kicked a couple of balls out from the uh, out in the fall and not far enough on kickoff. He made a lot of mistakes. He just did not have a good game at all, never looked comfortable. And then the other one was Tom Wright. I think Tom Wright, a player that we said had probably a career best year through the regular season, has now put together back-to-back pool games in finals. And I reckon he's written himself out of the fullback jersey. I still think he could be the right winger with Kellaway at the back. But he has hurt his chances massively. And the one thing I would say on top of that before I cross over to you guys is it is a little bit disappointed to see the chat on on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Everyone's just basically forgotten about the error-free fantastic season he's had in the regular season. Everyone's going, oh, he's rocks and diamonds. He always makes mistakes. He didn't do that at all through the regular season. I think he knocked on one ball from a kick. Other than that, he was immaculate. And it's just fallen apart from him in the last two games. You're only I said as good actually, as your last game, particularly in finals footy. Yeah. Yeah. I said um, to da- my dad, and also your dad, Harry, um, before, before <laughs> that match. That's for the clarification. Before that match on the weekend and said, watch Tom Wright. This guy is putting his name up for all of his fullback, you know, all of his fullback position. And, I mean, so it's your I, fault. I, think, I think he's lost it. You know, like he had that opportunity and, and Eddie talked about, you know, being able to do this stuff against Kiwis and against the Kiwi teams and he had that chance and I really think he shot himself in the foot. And that's good because your old man, Rod, knows to continue not listening to you because you speak <laughs> absolute nonsense. So that's good. Just um, reassured him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, should we get on to the fantasy? Can we please? My boy, oh. Damien McKenzie, the fantasy man of the week. 81 points to him, outscoring his... Uh, rival Richie Moe for the All Blacks jersey. He had 21 runs for 128 metres, 14 points made up of four penalties in the conversion, a line break, seven tackle busts, and went 6-0 and for his tackles as well. Didn't miss a single one. Absolutely huge. Yeah, it was a hell of a performance. Yeah, I'm not happy about that. Um, he was against me when I picked Moanga. You, you can't hate anything more than that. Samasoni Takeaho, he got 78 points. Richie Mo himself, dinner for 269. Leicester flying a Nuku with his head knock slash concussion that uh, Harry picked up. Cody Taylor, 64, and Christian Leo Willy with 62. Huge. And uh, we didn't, I don't think we did, we didn't have, we didn't figure out the super sub or Captain Mud Award. So who cares about that? But let's jump on to some listener questions. We've got a listener question from a long, long-time fan of the pod, Hugh Tyndall. Uh, does Razor think domination year on year by one team is good for the growth of rugby in the APAC region? Kind of just what we were touching on earlier. If I could start, I, I think it's brilliant that Hugh Tyndall asks us what Razor's thinking. Like, like we have that kind of insight. Are, are we're that well-connected. <laughs> We, we have that inside. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, realistically, 
I think Razor does not care. He just wants to win, man. He just wants to win. He's fighting for his job. He's fighting for, you know, the All Blacks uh, coach job that he now has, that role. He doesn't care at all, to be honest. Like, he he just... I think a really simple way to um, to show an example of that is signing Levi Almua. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just like, yeah. we're, we're signing Pablo Madera. Play. Like, the signings, he's ruthless. He's just like, give me the best. I don't, oh, our team's already the best and we have all the best players. I don't care. Still find the better ones. If you have to get yeah. them from other countries, get them. What's that? I'm, on, I'm five centers down. Yeah, don't worry. I've got another international one ready. <laughs> uh, look, I, I think to answer Hugh Tindall's question, though, I think there's two ways of looking at that, right? Like, I assume the way that he's, um, phrase the question is he saying he doesn't think it is good for the growth and that would the argument for that is obviously going to be if it's so predictable that you know the, the long-running joke is super rugby is a competition of 10 or 12 or 15 teams playing it out through 15 regular rounds and then a quarterfinal semi-finals and finals so that the crusaders can be awarded the super rugby championship trophy and uh you know if it's that predictable maybe the fans don't get that engaged with it but the counter argument to that for me is if the Crusaders keep raising the bar, then everyone has to keep getting better to chase them. So I, I think there is something to be said for them always pushing the envelope and always being such a dominant side in that everyone will get better. And we've seen it from the Chiefs in particular this year. Like They are just heads and shoulders above where they were last year. And it's because they have to be. And they've got the cattle as well. So, yeah, I, I actually think that in a way it is good. It tests the rest of the players. Is it making Aussie rugby better? The players, yeah, hundred percent. Is it is it making them? Is they giving us more fans and that kind of thing? No, not really. But I think for the players that are in the competition, yeah, I think it makes them a lot better. Um, it's just, I guess, short term versus long term view as well, right? Like if they win every year for the next twenty years, maybe we get to the point where Australian fans stop watching and then it becomes a, <laughs> a game that we can't watch. But Race is moving on, mate. He's done. He's going to the All Blacks next year. They don't make finals. It's true. Yeah, well, I think, I think this this year was the first year we saw some real. I mean, yes, they'd always been slow starters, but real vulnerabilities with the Crusaders. Uh, and it was the first time that it was ever in doubt the fantasy rule of when in doubt just pick a Crusader to begin with. You know, we weren't we weren't that wasn't first and foremost at the front yeah. of our minds. Um, but I know I think I think the, the Crusaders are good for Australian footy um, indirectly in the players that we get from them, aka Pete Samu, Nick Frost from the academy, any other players that want to go over to that academy and then make their way to Australian footy. Fantastic, I'm all for it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now nah, that's um, that's fair enough. Cool. All right. Well, let's push on to the news. Um, kicking us off, Toulouse beat La Rochelle twenty nine to twenty six in the top fourteen grand final. Have either of you watched that or the the highlights? I haven't had a chance yet. I, I watched the highlights, and I again, I just love the sensationalized uh, social media responses to this. You know, everyone's going Roman Roman and Tamak is the new Andre Pollard, costing his team the championship. He's blown it, blah, blah, blah. Last couple of minutes, there he is running from 60 out, just breaking through no hole really, runs an overs line and then cuts through another little small hole, runs 60 and scores to win the match for them. And all of a sudden he's the hero, you know, and everyone's going, oh, this is why France is going to win the World Cup because they're big players <laughs> end up in big moments. Well, apparently he was a villain one minute ago. So I, I love well, that. But that, that's um, the French passion though, you know, like. That's good as well. It was everyone, mate. It wasn't just the French. Yeah, true. But let's be honest, though, right? Like, if you go watch that try, there is no doubt that that is a, a, a try that if that was in Super Rugby, everyone in the Northern Hemisphere would be going, 
geez, that's just bad defense. That was woeful, <laughs> woeful defense. Like, good on him for doing that. But that was an absolute atrocious attempt by a few blokes to make a tackle in a really, really important part of that game. And if that's not highlighted, when they highlight that in, in you know, Super Rugby, and they just go, ah, oh, Super Rugby's got bad D, it's just hypocritical. Like, it, good on him, but that was atrocious. I think I, know, like, I think about DMAC cutting through for that semi final, like setting up that last try for his run. No one's saying that was bad D. It was just DMAC being a freak of nature. Yeah, I was nah, going to say, it, it, they have Northern, Northern Hemisphere talk about it. In, in, the best thing about Intermax try was really the celebration afterwards. He put it down, they, did, they put the hands up and ran out to the crowd like he had just scored yeah. the best try ever been scored. I'll tell you, he made it's a similar celebration, but scored a far more impressive try, and that was less defying Ganuku. From that, that try yeah, this week, he was. I was like, he was definitely a little bit more due that type of celebration, but um, yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah, that was insane. Um, but yeah, I'll, be, I'll definitely be keen to watch watch that game. When I Guys, next one, Kurtley Beal fronts court on sexual assault charges after the Bondi pub allegations. He's pleaded not guilty. I watched his interview after uh, after the fact, and he basically was in, interviewed on the steps out the front. He was tearing up, you know, obviously very distraught with the whole thing. It's it's a big news item because obviously he's had to miss the entire Super Rugby season for it, and you would think it's it's almost certainly going to cost him his last World Cup berth as well as one of the great players of Australian rugby. Um, I don't know. All, all I can say for this one is obviously we're all watching it to see what happens, but at the same time, if he's not guilty, geez, I hope he gets off, and if he is guilty, geez, I hope I hope he goes to prisons. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, I'm just. I'm just sick of losing gun players in the Rugby World Cup years. Last time was Falau, this time's KB. It's like, come, just do it next year or something, you know? Like, There's a decent chance the All Blacks will pick him up with that criminal record, though. <laughs> oh, got him. Or, or spoiler alert, uh, the South Africans as well. Uh, the, the, we'll get to that in a second. But um, I would out. just say, though, the, the other interesting thing was they said they had footage before and after the incident with the two of them together, which they reckon is going to pay a huge play a huge uh, role in turn determining kind of what the outcome of this was. So obviously that's pretty good if you can see that they have like a, a tense interaction after or everything's completely fine and comfortable. Like that, that's going to weigh pretty heavily. Mate, have we just become a Criminal Minds podcast? What's going we on? Have, yeah, so we let's, have, yeah. Let's, let's push on. All right, Ben, ben Donaldson uh, signs two years for the force. I think we talked about that was in the rumour mill um a week or two ago uh, and with will harris also expected to go so he i don't know if you were here kagi who's your starting 10 for the force next year everyone being uh, fit uh, who we got? Oh, well uh, for me still pasatoa if he's fit i love that you know how much i love pasatoa but yeah so pasatoa is my starting 10 and uh, the waratahs um <laughs> well uh, harrison probably I love it. Good answers. Such good answers. Are these the awesome. same answers that you made? Any disagreement there? Me? No. Uh, look, to be honest, I want to see Will Harrison get a crack and be un- uh, Will uh, hey, Harrison be uninjured for a little while, so I want to see him get a crack. Yeah. Was love it. Love that we have consensus on two just like outlandishly rogue people. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the ones that probably won't happen. For sure. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> they're, they're the least likely. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, pushing on, let's talk about some squads, uh, some World Cup squads. The All Black squad. We can push through this one pretty quickly, but a um, couple of surprise surprises: five new players, five uncapped players in the squad. But yep. um, the one, the the positions that stood out for me were um, Dane Coles, thirty six year old Dane Coles, getting the nod above Asafa Amua. So just kind of 
I guess going for experience and also Amua hasn't really taken the opportunity to light it up this year. So um, he's been given, given kind of a final chance in the All Blacks 15 over in Japan in a couple of games to, um, you know, see if he can be elevated or not. But uh, I mean, Cole certainly has certainly shown in Super Rugby this year, he can still do it, but um, no, not at all. No, he hasn't. I completely he he's, been ab- he's been absolute junk. The only time we've mentioned his name is because he's been a grub. He yeah. hasn't done his streaks down the sideline. He hasn't been that good in tight. He literally has just tried to annoy other players. And I think to a point where it's affecting his game and he goes, but it's getting me wins. No, it's not, mate. Everyone else doing the work's getting you wins and you're being an absolute pest on the field. He, yeah, he was pretty a annoying, though. I, mean, I, I, I think his but, only crowning moment was pissing off Cody Taylor to get him yellow carded, which I think won the that hurricane of that game. But yeah. at the same time, I think he's horrendous, man. And I think he's going nowhere if he gets games at the World Cup. And I say this as a giant Dan Coles fan Love of parts of his career. I just think he's past it. I, I think the only thing that has saved him is the fact that Amor still can't throw a line out very accurately. And I think he's oh. probably the biggest competition. Um, so no. who, who do you pick if not those two? If not him at third, I guess, is the big argument. I mean, I guess. Look, the other thing you'd say is, I mean, he's he's arguably there to uh, to run waters. You know what I mean? Like it's Taylor and Takiyahu all day. Yeah, he's, he's the backup, uh, right? And he's there for the, some experience around the squad. But if they uh, both went down, would you want to start him or someone else? Someone well, else. I mean, I'd, I'd want to start if they both went down. I'd want to start Abu. But that's just uh, if, he, if he's available. Yeah, I should never have asked you that. I knew the answer. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, all right, on to to back rowers. Um, Sam Sam Penny Finau, bit of a bolter in there. Uh, and I even put in brackets and Shannon Frizzell, who of course is has lucky. been pretty gun, but but you have, to say, year, you have to say lucky for his form this year. Um being picked over Hoskins to two two, Akira Yawani, and I don't know, I chucked Ethan Blackadder in there. I know he's kind of been injured all season or most of the season and, and whatever, but huge, I think. Um, you know, I think Blackadder I I I was very surprised that at least one of Hoskins, Akira and Blackadder wasn't there. Uh, for Fennell, okay. at least. and um... Akira does not surprise me. The guy's had a, an awful year, let's be honest. Mm. I think Akira, I think Hoskins is very lucky, unlucky to miss out. I think he's not even in the All Blacks 15, was he? No, he wasn't. Maybe, even, he, yeah. he was just either completely overlooked or something else is going on that we don't know about. Yeah, and Ethan Blackout are the same. Like I, I think he has to be an injury, surely. Yeah. He- yeah, yeah, I think I think you I think he is. But um yeah, no, look, it it makes very little sense that those guys are out. Um mind you reckon a perfect test six as well. Like he's just that big physical beast that can have that physical dominance at any level, I reckon. Well, I guess that, that's the interesting part, isn't it? Is that it's you, you know it's locked in Artie Severe at eight, Sam Kane at seven. It's just who plays at six, really. And yeah, they got they got Jacobson or Finau. And with Papali being the seven backup, or Frizzell. It's basically Frizzell, Jacobson, or Finau is who yeah. you're having a shot at. So I'm, I'm surprised Jacobson got picked, to be honest with you. I know they were raving about him early in the season, but he had a, he had a couple of cracker games. I think he's, it has been an uptick in form, but at All Blacks level, I'm just not sure he's there, to be honest. Not in the form he's in. I think he needs to get a lot better. I agree, for sure. Halfbacks, we've got, um, fit, I, I just mentioned, Finlay Christie and Roygaard picked over Brad Weber. Now I think yep. Roy Gard, we can all agree saying if you know he probably deserved being picked. You wouldn't be surprised if he was left out. It being a World Cup year, but um, you know, not surprised him being in there. But for mine, Finlay Christie over Brad Weber. Um, what do you guys think about that? 
Look, impersonally, I, I think Roy Gard's got to be in there. He's, he's probably the future. Um, but I, I don't think Finlay Christie's done enough. And, and, you know, Weber's still fighting at the back end of the season and, and he's had a pretty good season. I, I think I'd be picking Weber over Finlay Christie, in my, my personal belief. Yeah, it might be the balance. Like all three of those halfbacks kind of bring different things. So it might be there's more of a balance, but they're different, more different players between the three of them. But I, I'm not sure. Thing, the thing that Finlay Christie brings that's different is that he's less good than the others. Finlay <laughs> Christie's defense was pretty exceptional in the back half of the year, I would say. That's that's his one big plus. Saved a lot yeah. of tries. It's yep. not normally what you pick in your halfback on, though. But he, he, he is a very good player. Don't get me wrong. But I just personally, I think we should be above him. You know, we've got Dallas McLeod, the biggest bolter of the year. So I didn't, I didn't assign that to Sam Penny for now, but McLeod definitely the biggest bolter of the year. Well, wrong choice. I'd good on how, him for how, 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 how. He's a, he's a crusader. Man, he's played for a win all year. I'm like, what, he's what is going on? The bloke maybe played five games at, at center. Like uh, this blows my mind. Yeah, he's playing wing because he's not good enough to play in the centers for the Crusaders, and he wouldn't be playing wing. If Severis wasn't injured, like how does that guy make the All Black squad? It, it's it makes a no the guts for Jack Goodhue, who's definitely established himself above Dallas McLeod in the back end of the year, and yet then they pick McLeod. Like I, I've been, I thought he'd had, he's had a great year. Um, definitely not a winger, like awful winger, but a very talented young centre. But to be picked in the All Black squad, it's just mm. way too early. I'd pick so many players above him personally. Yep, agreed for sure. Thank you. Uh, and then the last one is Shooter not getting the call up. So they oh, mate, uh, that... Foster's gone for Narawa. Look, Foster, in all honesty, is an absolute goose for not picking Shooter Stevenson. He would be the second man wearing an All Blacks 15 jersey for me, and that would be after Will Jordan. That's it. He's the second. I wouldn't put another guy in front of him. I wouldn't put him in Look, DMAC for me would be maybe a 23 bench cover because he's 10 15 role and coming off the bench shooter stevenson i'd probably be starting at 15 you're insane if, if it wasn't will jordan he, he's and you can throw him I, on the wing as well like, i saw harry tee that up and was ready to chop it down he's just waiting it was great uh no no i agree with you look i mean i think i think it, it, it's unfortunate because shooter shooters had such a good season but narawa has also had an amazing season and really been like a, an amazing 14 you have to say i think in maybe in the last couple you can of weeks, do 14 and 15 mate no, but so okay. can Narawa. I know, I know you haven't actually seen it, but Narawa's oh, played mate, 15 all through the NPC. Oh, mate. Narawa he is not is a not back 15. 15. Yeah, Narawa's Never. not 15 for the fullback, for the all-backs. Let's, let's be honest. That's true. All right. But for, with back three for them, we, we're locking in Leicester 11, Talaya 14, Will Jordan 15. Is that job done? 100% put it in now. <laughs> Unless Jordy Barrett realises that the 12 experiment didn't work, that's the only way it might not happen. Like, too late. Yeah. Will Jordan. I, I think it did work. It's unless Havili was around, and Havili's not around, so he's twelve. Now yeah. let's push on to the Tongan and Samoan squads. Harry, do you want to speed speed run us through the Tongan squad? Yeah, look, the big thing for us here was obviously all the the players that have been brought across from the other teams. So you got you know the likes of Israel Falau, Lapeti Tamani, and now Adam Coleman named from the Wallabies. You got Malakai, Fekatoa, Ben Tamifuina, George Moala, Vaivafida, and also. Yeah. Uh, Seven, the New Zealand seven star Peter Aki as well, all coming across. Um, and that makes for a cracking 15. Nelson's had a crack at it. Uh, you want to go through it, Nels? Yeah, so uh, back three, Falau, Pia Tau, 
and Solomonic Kata on the wings. Uh, we've got Fekatoa and Peter Arki in the centres. You've also got Moala there, and you could shift Fekatoa to 12. you got William Havili at 10 with Takalua, the captain, at 9. But you've also got Augustine Pulu and Manu Paya there at, as well. Sioni Vialanu, um, Solomoni Funaki, and Vaya Fafita, probably as then your six with Lepeti Tamani covering. In the, in the locks, Lousy and Coleman, the ex-Wallaby. Then in the front row, you've got uh, Tammy Lafuna at tight head, Samuela Molly at hooker, and Fisihoy at loose head. That is an outstanding team. You reckon that Lousy will start? Yeah, Lousy's a weapon. He played a lot for them recently yeah. as, as, a starting, as a starting lock, and he's, he's the guy that gets the nod for me there. The small island. I haven't said his name for a long time. How good. There's some pretty amazing players mm-hmm. there. I, I think Pia Tau played 15 for Lau on the wing, um, which I think they ran out uh, last time they played. And Yeah. Um, yeah. Even I'd pick. Uh, as much as I've loved Israel for Lau at fullback over the years, Charles Pia Tau is hands but down the better Personally, I, I think I prefer that, to be fair, for Lau on the wing. Yep. Nels, do you want to take us through also, sorry, I know you've just taken us through the Tongan squad, but you did the Samoan squad as well. Yeah, so uh, similar to what Harry's touching on, the players coming across. We've got ex-Wallaby, Christian Lely Alfano. Um, awesome to see him come across into this Samoa squad. He's He's been such a servant to Aussie rugby, and, and he's got a phenomenal story behind him. So I'd love to see him get a bit more of a crack here. Um, and we've got uh, All Blacks, ex-All Blacks, Sopawanga, Famuina, uh, Stephen Luatua, Jeffrey Tumanga, Allen coming across. We've also already had the change of allegiance for uh, Paul Ala O'Meal and Tim Nanai Williams. The new one we've got as well is Titi Lamositelli from the USA uh, Eagles as well. He's a, a tight head prop, big boy. Um, and I think there's a few people upset around around world rugby, especially tier two people that he's come across. Yeah, people blowing up over that. I see it as an awesome opportunity for him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. Paul Tate, Paul Tate, not happy. Yeah, friend of the yeah. pod. Friend of the pod, Paul Tate. Um, but. Uh... Anyway, well, we that's for another pod. We won't get into the discussing that. Um, else, do you want to take us through what you think the likely fifteen looks like, or Harry, either one of you? Uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go back line. Nelson can go front. Uh, I, they've got Anari and Tamatini at nine, Sapawanga or Lee Lelafano at ten. They got so many options at centre. They got uh, Duncan pa- Pauaya. They got Tamua Manu. They've got Leuila, who, which D'Angelo Leuila, Leuila, yeah, he, he's a gun actually, yeah. and uh, Stacey Illy as well. So many options there on the wings. They got Fama'i, Nigel R. Wong, and then at fullback they got Tawala and Nanai Williams as well. So again, so many experienced established players there. It's a lot more depth than they've had in the past years, I reckon. Nanai Williams has been playing ten, thirteen, fullback wing. They're putting him anywhere at the moment now as well. Yeah. yeah. Does this mean um, Levi Almua is not playing for Samoa because he's keeping himself open for the All Blacks? Is that what we think here? Yeah, correct. But I, I don't know if, if he doesn't make it. I, I, you, know, you may see him put his hand up late. You never know. He might take his yeah. hand up for the Wallabies too. Who knows? Well, I mean, the other thing is, if he's playing for the Crusaders next year, you'd have to think he's going to walk into the All Blacks jersey next year. Over Dallas, he's going to be twenty-nine next year. So over Dallas, Mr. Harry, he's, he's come across. He's obviously been come across with a hope for the for the Rugby World Cup, not for getting an All Blacks cap next year. 
Uh, mm. If we jump across into the forwards, we've got Jordan Lay at loose head. Lots of options at hooker. Polai Nuya or Lam or Malolo as well as at hooker. Ala Alatoa, I reckon, at tight head. But you've got Famuina, Ala Omil, Tumanga Allen, and Alamositeli, who we just said from USA. Um, Alianu Wisi from Toulon and Chris Vui in the locks. Halani Siu uh, or Miracle Fire Langi at six. Lamb and Jordan Taufua in to round out that back row. Awesome. They just need a seven, man. Jack Lamb's a bit old now. They've got, I mean, they've got a few guys. There's Matunga as well. Yeah, I I reckon they'll go him. Jack Lamb's nowhere near that side this year. Yeah. Taufua had played a bit of seven for them as well. So that's another one that they could, they could use shifting him across into seven. Yeah. Absolutely. Just absolutely. Brutal. They're going to have a brutal game plan. They're not going to worry about pilfering the ball. They're just going to try and break you in half so you drop the ball. Yeah, exactly. And last point in the news for the week, we've got uh, the Sharks signing the Springbok winger and absolute lightning in a bottle, Apuwe Dianti, after his four-year ban. I'd almost, I'd all but forgotten about Dianti, um, but he was incredible in his, uh, I mean, I think we, we put down he was the uh, World Rugby Breakthrough player in 2018 in, in that year. He kind of was the most exciting player in Super Rugby and then in World Rugby, scored some gun tries on the wing for the Springboks. Um, he, what, if, if he's in New Zealand, mate, his career would be done. He's over 27 and he's a winger. But yeah. South Africa, you can play oh, in 30, 38 to 40. So he, he's got a, you know, he was an absolute weapon when he was around. If he's got that same explosive speed and that same strength, which, you know, I mean, for obvious reasons, who knows? But, um, he he's an exceptional talent, so I'm glad he's done his time and he's and he's back and he's got an opportunity to to make a name for himself again. And we've said well, I think for obvious reasons, but we should we should point out the the ban was for PEDs for performance enhancing drugs. So um, just because other people might have forgotten, um, similar to what I did. But no, sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, uh, look, uh, he, he's an exciting guy. I, I I'm happy to see him back in rugby. Four years is a long time. That's his time served. Um, you know, I I, I think he should be welcomed back in. And still have to obviously earn his way back in. But if he's coming out and dominating and playing like he did pre, you know, his ban, good on him and, and deserves to be back. And and what, uh, so he obviously was playing for the Lions when we used to be watching him, but signing for the Sharks, I think if the Sharks still have my pimpy as well, I mean, those are some two gun wingers to have. That's all I'll say. But um, There's a lot anyway. of gun wingers in South Africa at the moment. I don't think it matters which team you go to. That's That's very true. Guys, right, now last, that's the news. last story for those oh. on YouTube. I just had to share Nelson oh. Nelson Parise. It's pretty brilliant. So if you are watching on YouTube, uh, <laughs> you the of, uh, Photoshop. <laughs> just an ode to the uh, the great man with his 142 test caps. I, I thought it was very good. Nelson, if you don't yeah. make that your Twitter profile picture, I'm going to be very disappointed. That's all I'm saying. At least for the week. At least until the next yeah, one. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Thanks, make it happen. All right, well, let's move on to the main course, the Super Rugby Pacific Grand Final 2023 uh, Battle of the North and South Island, the table-topping Chiefs, who only lost one game in the regular season against the defending champs, 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 champs. I don't know how many they've won in a row. Six. Six in a row, the Crusaders. Um, Harry, do you want to take us through any injuries to report and returning players? Yeah, so Brody McAllister hyperextended his knee and had to come off. So we we don't know exactly what he's done, but it did not look good. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't take the field on. It doesn't take his spot on the bench this week. But the big one is Lester Fanganuku, um, who 
when I watched it back, he, he got subbed immediately after seemingly being concussed. So he took a hit to the head and then fell face first on the floor and lay motionless for maybe two or three seconds. And at Category 1, one of the, the things that they look for in the video is falling to the floor and not taking any protective behaviours to try and stop yourself in that fall. He was He looked like he was unconscious for two or three seconds. And then he managed to get up and he bounced back very quickly from there. But to me, he was completely out, Category 1 concussion. I think the Crusaders team saw this. It was only like the 53rd minute. He never comes off then and was immediately subbed, so he couldn't have looked at later. So, you know, I I, I hate to accuse the Crusaders of something a bit untoward, but it, it was very sus like, for him to come off at that moment. So, to, so, so to, spe- to, to spell that out, so that we're saying the, the Crusaders subbed him immediately so that he couldn't be called for a HIA by the independent um, doctor who's who's watching the game and therefore because he has been called for a HIA has to go through the return to play protocols instead the Crusaders could handle it internally and perhaps don't have to you well, know, have I, available exactly if they if they deemed a category one it's 12 days stand down so it means he can't play this week he would be playing the week after at earliest so if they say oh no he wasn't a category one he was he failed his concussion testing after then he could be symptomatic as uh, symptom free go through protocols and play this week. So it's that that's the big difference really. Pretty pretty dodgy stuff. But um yeah, it, it's a it's a big accusation, but I think it's a fair accusation and I said to Harry Shadowway when he pointed it out, if they're playing the Brumbies, let's make a campaign and put it all over Twitter. But they're but, not, so we won't. We won't. We won't. This, no, is, we won't this is the only thing we'll say. Uh, and returning guys, Sam Whitelock was quite confident of returning with his Achilles flare-up. Um, obviously, this is a pretty big issue for him. With He's been managing this for some time now. Uh, I don't reckon he plays big minutes. You know, if anything, I, I like the idea of him being on the bench, coming on after 50 and just having that experience in the last 30. I think they're pretty worried about flaring him up leading up into the World Cup. And this is going to be, you know, if he plays big minutes, a huge spike in his training loads, which will not be good for his Achilles. So if he starts, I suspect he won't play huge minutes. And I think the better idea is he's there for the championship minutes at the end. Yep. Agreed. Um, let's last time last... these guys, yeah, oh, yeah. they played off twice this year in round one. In Christchurch, the Chiefs got it done uh, 10 to 31. So that was a bit of an upset early on in the season, but they continued that form a bit of a sign of what was to come. And in round 10 in Hamilton, the Chiefs won again, 34 to 24. So this would be three wins if they do it against the Crusaders in one year. And surely no team's ever done that. So None, none have, mate. It's, it's it's official. No team has ever beaten them three times in a year. Has a team ever beaten them twice before this? I, I think so. I don't know who, but, yeah, they, they talked about it when the Chiefs played them the second time, that no team had ever beaten them three times, and obviously that was the the opportunity. So they must have. Someone has. How so look, it's been be? not, only, not only beating them in Christchurch, but then beating them three times in a year. That's just... Woo. Yeah, insane. But, look, they, this is 10 years since the Chiefs have won a Super Rugby Championship. It's only It's barely been 10 months since the Crusaders have. Um, they just do it every year. They just lock it in this time of year. But um, the interesting thing out of this as well is we've just had an All Blacks squad announcement last night, and there's probably 21 players from that announcement that's probably going to start this week or be in the, the match day squads at the very least. This yeah. is a heavily stacked All Black squad. I mean, as, as you'd expect, to be fair. 
Yeah, freakish sides. But look, the thing about these two sides, they're they're both very high scoring. You can see the the image we've got up um, on on the screen right now. But they're both very high kicking teams. The Chiefs are the top kicking team, and the Crusaders the second across the Super Rugby season. And and neither of them give away penalties. You can also see that there with this awesome graphic. Um, so they're just not going to give away easy field possession. I, I'd expect both these teams to not want to play in their own half and be kicking the ball out of their zones. But they're both also teams that can, you know, reply from from a little shoddy kick or anything like that and, and be really, you know, really dangerous anywhere from the field. So, you know, it's going to be a high kick game, I, I assume, at the very least, but it's going to be two teams that are willing to take a bit of a chance and, and it's going to be a good good matchup. For sure. I, Anything I, else that stands out for you, Harry? In that those those uh... massively, yeah. I, this this graphic really, really is interesting to me. It's basically a pinwheel, a, a, a pie graph of uh, is, is that what they call these these individual piece pie graphs? But it's a it's a oh yeah, I suppose it's still the type of pie graph, um, but it's just shown yeah. with uh, percentiles rather than you know, like in terms of yeah. how far. Individual stats for the team from the year anyway, but um, have a look on on the YouTube channel to see what we're talking about. But the big one for me is obviously the Crusaders have a lot more carries, a lot more rucks and make a lot more, a lot less tackles. So, you know, if you look at the both teams kick, but the Crusaders are kicking and getting the ball back, whereas the Chiefs are obviously kicking and backing their defence. So there's a big change there for me. Despite that, not running the ball nearly as much as the Crusaders, the Chiefs have far more breaks so I think you're seeing the uh, the damaging nature of their outside backs that the Crusaders are going to have to have to try and stop. And then on the flip side, I think you can see the Crusaders have do a lot of mauling. They're up there with the most mauling teams in the competition, I believe. And the Chiefs do not maul at all. But then at the same time, we've been talking about how good the Chiefs' maul defence is. They don't worry about their attacking more, but they don't concede more tries either. So it'll be really interesting to see if the Crusaders can actually make that an advantage for themselves, given how good the Chiefs have been in that area. It's true. The Chiefs are a true outside back uh, fantasy team. That's what they're all about, mate. Even even the defenders yeah. beaten significantly got a few more defenders beaten than um, the Crusaders. The and they don't throw offloads. They just basically break tackles. <laughs> That's it. Break they tackles, do. make line breaks. That's them. They just have too many threats. You know what I mean? When D-Max on the field and then you chuck another couple of gun outside backs, you can't handle it. So Yeah. Very good. Now, let's let's talk about the Chiefs. Um, I suppose, you know, we can we talked about how good the Crusaders were last week um, and just, you know, how I, honestly, the way I felt last week was that there's no club side playing except for the Chiefs that would have even have a chance at beating the Crusaders the way they were playing last week. So what can the Chiefs learn from... Well, you know, doing the opposite of what the Blues did, um, and how can they go out there and have a crack against the Crusaders this week? I think. I think hmm. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I thought that was a question. Um, I, I think one of the things that um, the Chiefs can, you know, take as a positive that I mean, they've had a very different run across the finals up until this point in comparison to the Crusaders, who, who have run away with their two games. They, you know, finals are notoriously tight matchups. Um, they they don't tend to be hugely scoring and, and massive wins in, in a final. So the Chiefs, they found a way to grind out two wins against their two Aussie opponents, the Reds and the Brumbies, um, across the, this last fortnight. Um, the, that ability to be able to close out those matches, find that that big play from from guys like D-Mac last week, um, you know, towards the back end of a match to to 
you know, assert their, themselves and, and get that win is something that'll be, you know, very important in a match like this. The the Crusaders have been challenged more throughout the year and started to have, you know, real dominance throughout this last month or two. But it's a it's a tale of two completely different stories in in recent weeks. And and the Chiefs may be a little bit more battle hardened in a tight matchup recently but i mean the crusaders should have had a tight matchup last week and still won by 40 points so um it'll be an interesting one i think it's going to be huge to see if lester fangaranuku is fit because the chiefs as we've said attacking so much out wide if they're two wingers at dallas mcleod and chafiaki that's a lot of inexperience to be putting out so far nelson's calling for settle down milani I mean, so am I, to be honest. They've been holding him back all year. That Wouldn't that just be pulling a Jager out of the hat? All of a sudden, Vladi Nanai is just scoring a hat-trick in the grand final. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me with Razor. Yeah, you, 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 you couldn't have prepared possibly for this, for pulling out. No one hat. saw it coming. And it'll be the, the DC style, like not even in the 23, and then five <laughs> minutes before kickoff. Actually, sorry, Leicester's concussed. He can't play. So we've just pushed Milani Nano into the starting side. <laughs> yeah, I like it. That, that's genius. But if that's not the case, I, I do worry that Dallas McLeod and Chafiaki are going to have a big, big task. You know, we talked about McLeod needing to defend against the likes of uh, Mark Talea last week. Well, he didn't actually ever get tested. So I think the Chiefs' forward pack is just another beast again, and I do expect them to get some ball to the outside back. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they limit the opportunities because that's a that's a mismatch for me. Well, speaking of that, so yeah, that's a good point. Saying you think the Chiefs will get the ball to the outside backs? That was, I mean, that was the biggest thing from last week. Was the 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 Blues have such gun wingers, and there was so much space out on the wings, but that Crusaders outside in defense, they just absolutely smothered. The blues like they just were on top of the, the line speed physicality to me at times it felt like they were just competing at every single breakdown like they just i don't know how it was it was like how do they possibly have not the numbers to keep going in on every single breakdown but they just it, it was just like a complete smothering of the opposition and the the blues could not get the ball out wide i think they even tried a couple of times to you know, some strategic tactical kicking. Um... Not really. That, that was going to be my rebuttal. The Blues kicked 12 times last week. Okay, well, there you go. So... They basically did not kick the ball. And when you have a defensive line flying up on you, that should have been Bowden Barrett saying, yes, boys, I'm putting the little chip in. I'm putting the little grubber in. I guarantee you Mac will be doing that all day long. And the likes of Marawa, Shooter, Eteni Nanai Saturo, those guys are going to be flying through. I expect that to be the dominant style of attack from the Chiefs for the first 50 minutes, 60 minutes, potentially more depending on how long the uh, the game stays tight. It'll start early and, and you'll see a range of kicks from DMAC and, and the Chiefs because they're going to try to keep those wingers back. They're going to put little jinx and little chips across uh, that that defensive line in tight to see if they can, you know, pick it back up just in that small space if the defenders then shift back. Like, they're, they're going to do everything they can to slow this attacking line, uh, defensive line from the Crusaders. There's going to be a cross-field kick from DMAC to Amoni Narrower for a try. You've heard it here first. Is that what you're putting your first uh, try score on? I'm thinking right? about it. I'm thinking yeah. about it. Very good. Um, all right. Well, so, yeah, look, we know the Chiefs are very proficient outside. We we talked about the stats, how, you know, they have the most line breaks, defenders beaten, lots of threats. DMAC can kick the ball everywhere. This game also, I mean, it's the Crusaders. So, fundamentally, it's, it does always come down to set pace as well. Um, 
And we've already talked about the Chiefs' uh, mall defense is incredible, but they have been lacking a little bit at um, at set pace time. So particularly particularly in the last couple of weeks at, at the scrum time. So I think that's going to be a really important battle, an area that they'll focus on this week. But I'm really looking forward to the battle of the lineouts because these are two gun lineouts. With with uh, frankly, they have all of the locks in the in the All Blacks from the Chiefs and Crusaders. Um, like you said, Sam Whitelock, that's a big. That'll be a big question for the Crusaders. But um, yeah, set piece will be huge and the Chiefs will really have to come up to the level of the Crusaders at scrum time. What did you make of the Crusaders-Blues scrum battle last week as well, Craig's in that regard? Yeah, look, I think um, we, we talked about the same thing last week, saying this was going to be a really good test because the Crusaders had had been, as they're marching towards the final, had just been getting better and better. And um, watching Tamati Williams systematically take apart uh, Masaki Doge, Donge, um, sorry, the, the week before for the Drua, who had been amazing. I think he did a similarly great job against the Blues. Uh, he was up against Lau Lala, who's arguably the All Blacks' strongest scrummaging prop. Um, and the Crusaders' uh, scrum was was very good. It was a lot more even. It was a e- fairly even matchup, the, the Blues and Crusaders last week. But um, I, I think they'll do an even better job against the Chiefs this week. I don't think the Chiefs' scrum is as strong as the Blues. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think this is that's a real point of difference for the Crusaders is, is that set piece time that that scrum and and you know then you've got the likes of Mwanga getting the ball out to to men outside and that are dangerous as long as we've got Fanganuku on one wing. So I mean the, that set piece for the Crusaders is going to be a massive part. Um, and if both teams are, are looking to use the boot a lot, you know, to be able to win your own set piece is going to be very very important because last thing you need is you know, to, to lose the ball in your own 50 um, and have no ability to get back out with the other team drilling down on you. I've got a new strategy for the Crusaders. Do you reckon they could just say that um, that they lost another two centres to injury this week and bring in Levi Amua early? Just bring him, roll him out for the grand finals? <laughs> he has played three games of the Super Rugby season the finals. It's, um, no one said it had to be for you, there for your team. You, you really do listen to our pod for the hot takes. It's Milani Nanai to be called up just pre-game and leave our Moore somehow to start for Chris hey, Craig, we've had a good hit rate the last couple of weeks too, so I'm <laughs> expecting this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've caught we've some outlandish things and it's happened, so... All right. Well, um, look, we kind of we started carrying. We've talked about the Chiefs. We started kind of getting into the Crusaders, but um, Nels, what do we? What do the Crusaders need to do to beat the Chiefs? Uh, keeping in mind that the Chiefs have only lost one game this season to the Mighty Reds and have have destroyed the Crusaders. Well, not destroyed, but have beaten the Crusaders twice pretty pretty well. Yeah. Look, we I think we touched on before that they they're the most carrying team in Super Rugby. But I think something that was really important for them last week is they really won that physicality battle. Um, they competed at pretty much every single breakdown. They, you know, just absolutely created that shell shock, you know, attack of the the, the breakdown last week against the Blues. And, and it went a long way to them getting that ascendancy early and then being able to maintain it throughout the rest of that match. Um, so for me, it's that smothering defense, just being all over the Chiefs, not letting DMAC get space, not letting the ball get out to, to the attacking wings. That that's going to be something that's going to really give them the chance to to stay, stamp the Crusaders' game plan on this. You know, not they're not going to play as we said. They're not going to play it in their own half, and then all they're going to do is throw everything they have at that defense onto the Chiefs. And I think that's you know a, a real dangerous spot for for the Crusaders for sure. I, I'm really really interesting to see interested to see how Richie Mo goes about kicking in this game because 
obviously they must know that if they kick across field or if they kick long to the back through the three they're asking for trouble which means I, i'm expecting a lot more little short chips either yep. for richie moto himself or to will jordan off his hip as well mm. uh, to me that's the only way that you can effectively try and put a short kick in to break down this chief's defense without actually exposing yourself to high risk outside in the outside I think you got one more option. You got that kind of mid-length bomb where you, you get someone up in their face. Yeah. Um, and you know, what we've been talking about that Crusaders defensive line pushing up. That's it. You know, you you you're bringing those players forward so that they're not really getting a, a front foot when they're they're getting hands on the ball and they don't have that space. And then I mean, last week the Crusaders had 10 turnovers. So if you're putting that short kick up, then you're blowing over with a strong defensive line. That's going to be a great opportunity for the Crusaders in this week. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the things that stood out for me was the the 10 turnovers they won. And that was a result of that up-in-your-face D. But the guys are doing such a good job. We talk about all the all, eight All Blacks being out. Sione Havili and Christian Leo Willey just took it to another level uh, last week. And they really allowed like Tom Christie to just get in it. Like Tom Christie got one a few of those turnovers. And it just, it's just that um, he was second man in and put in such a good position to be able to, to win those turnovers. So... It was really huge for me, those turnovers, and that's going to be, yeah, something the Chiefs are going to have to, I don't know, they're really going to need to get that quick ball um, to, to get moving because the the rate at which the Crusaders were, like the line speed, you know, even the Chiefs, even DMAC needs a little bit of space to weave his magic, you know? I mean, on, let's get towards the tip, boys, unless you've got anything else yeah. to do. No, no, that's, that's all good. I was going to say, so this is for me... This game, before I give a tip, before any of us give a tip, could go freaking anywhere. <laughs> I, I'm so interested to see if the Crusaders are actually just in world-beating, globe-trotting form because of the finals, despite the fact that they're missing half their A-team, or if it's just that they got onto a roll against the Blues and the Indra, and then those two teams just fell apart. Like, whatever it is, I don't really see the Chiefs falling apart. So if the Crusaders can just run it in like they did against the Blues the last year, like it would really, really surprise me. But it means that they're untouchable and it doesn't matter who they put out there. <laughs> it confirms that, yeah. Um, I agree. I, I think it's going to be really interesting, the, the the tactics, the coaching strategies, like you said, how they attack those kicking games. We've kind of outlined what we think they'll do, but... Um, you know, they're, they're two teams that have some very clear strengths uh, and have been playing in a, you know, in the finals footy in a very, cl- like, very clear style. So it'd be interesting to see who makes changes, uh, you know, in this this game of chess or whatever. But, um, yeah, I agree. I don't think it's... It's weird. Like, I don't think it's going to be a close game. <laughs> I think I just don't know who's going to run away with it is how I feel about it. <laughs> so I, I, To be honest, if someone runs away with it, I, I don't think it's the Chiefs. You know, I think the Chiefs are going to win this in a tight one because they're going to stay in the fight the whole time. D-Mac will do something back end or Shooter will do something back end and, and they'll get the win. If it's uh, an absolute, you know, balls to the wall shellacking like we've seen in the last two weeks from the Crusaders, it's them. They're the team that can put that pressure on early and keep that sustained pressure over 80 minutes. Most teams do not keep that sustained pressure, even if they come out firing it is it is an iconic thing from the Crusaders that we've seen at at parts throughout the last handful of years that they can do that for eighty minutes because most teams do fade away. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. Um, I think well, you know what we're all hoping the dream scenario is a tit for tat, try try, try against try throughout the whole game. But um, can I throw, boys, can I throw one one thing in here as well? So we're looking at five p.m. on Saturday, 
at at the moment we've got a fifty percent chance of rain. That what, throws what, the game. Rain or is it going to pour down? Like, what are we talking? But it's it's a long time out, so it's pretty hard to to say. But we're looking at we're we're looking at uh, three mils. Nothing yeah, true. Yeah. We are only about a week away from this game, but um, that's fine. But, uh, look, can we just I mean, can we can we petition to get it moved to neutral ground to the under the roof in Dunedin just mm, so we can have a break? I think that'd be best. No, 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 make it fairest because mm. it's north versus South Island. You can't do that. Move it to the West Island in Sydney, and we'll just play it there. We don't have a roof, but um, right, yeah, guys, Tim, while this conversation has been going on, I've changed four times, so I'm sitting out of it. Nelson, right, Nelson, Nelson, you look decided. Who are you going for? Did you say Carl? <laughs> right, I, I think you said uh, Nelson, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, at the moment, if if the crew, it's all depends on if Nuku's playing. Team margin. Probably not playing because he's the cheats, but they're not that big cheats. So if he, if he's not playing, the Chiefs win by three. If Nuku is playing, the Crusaders win by five. Very good. I love how he's just backed both teams. That's his thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pick one, mate. All Pick right. one. Well, I okay. think... I'm picking think, Crusaders. No, no. You've, you've, you've already made your bed, mate. Sorry. Um, I'm picking the Crusaders, and I reckon the Crusaders are going to win this game by 12 points. Jesus. You're in, this is insane. Uh, I could so easily do the same, but I'm not. I'm going to go DMAC to deliver the title for the Chefs. <laughs> He's going to win it by a whopping three points in an arm wrestle. It's going to be points 24 to 21. It's going to be 20 points so does, does, does that answer the question that are you picking uh, DMAC over Richie Mwanga for your first pick in fantasy this week? Mate? I don't think I get first pick, mate. So uh, you uh, might have something to say about that. Very good. Um Excellent. All right. Well, that's uh, that's our preview, the main course preview of the Super Rugby Pacific Grand Final 2023. And that just leaves us with Deserto. Deserto. In which we're going to talk about the Wallabies front row options, uh, hookers and smokies. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Cool. No, mate. The front rows, hookers, and smokies. That makes no sense. We're talking about the front row options, which include hookers, but the three categories we have gone for is the incumbents, the up-and-comers, and the smokies. And if you you turn your face towards our cameras, you'll see a beautiful image put together by yours truly here. So under the incumbents, Humble we have... always. The, yeah, we have the, the front row of Flipper, <laughs> who has been immense and getting better and better. We have Pareki and we have the injured Ala Alatoa, who should be good to go any minute now. Yep, absolute gun front row. Pareki, um, I was just, I don't mm. know, I just randomly came across some notes I'd written from um, some of the games in the spring tour last year where Pareki was just, you know, he was man of the match in quite a few of those games. He's just was absolute gun. So I feel like, I, I don't feel like I've noticed peak Pareki throughout the Super Rugby season. I know he's had some good games, but he's still, for me, by far so clearly the starting hooker in the Wallabies um, set up. Um, but yeah, you got to start, you got to be starting slip up and uh, you're hoping Alan Alatoa is, is uninjured because uh, Tupo and Bell, you know, you, my fingers are crossed. We're praying they come back, but uh, they're not your starters anyway. They're your, they're your bench. Yeah, so so right. you're just going straight with the image, eh, Craig? So you're going incumbents to start, slipper, Parecki, Alan Alatoa. 
And then you're going off the bench. You're going Bell, Taniela Tupo, and who? Nice Lonigan, mate. Job done. Yeah. And then we did say Smokies. We got Gibbon, uh, Fazler, and Harry Johnson Holmes. But for, for me, you can't have this conversation without talking about Falau Fengar, who, albeit having struggled with his own Achilles injury this year, I thought he was very, very good for the Western Force when he was around. And if it wasn't for Tom Robertson's ACL injury, I'd be putting him up in lights as well. Um, Sam Talakai similarly, you know, has a statement to say that maybe he should be picked above HJH. Where, where are you with this, Nels? Look, I, I, I think knowing Eddie, there, there's no surprises for me. If we see something, which I wouldn't necessarily pick myself, but we would we would see something like a slipper and then either a Farrell Fainga or Nos Lonigan and the Ala Alatoa, full Brumbies front row to start. Um, I know we we all love Parecki here, but that cohesion. And then if you've got someone like Frost in the locks as well, you've got a, a player that throws to him each week. And then on the bench, you'd have your Bell and Tupo, you know, huge impact players coming off the bench and someone like a Parecki just to, to work hard in, in the back end of the match. So I think cohesion-wise, that makes sense. I personally would love to see Parecki starting, so I'd just be going for the incumbents. But... Um, I wouldn't be overly surprised if we see something like that building on cohesion. You've done many beautifully to ignore every single player I asked you about. Well done. Um, now, I, I completely disagree. I think Parecki's head and shoulders above Lockie Lonigan at the moment. I think Noss yeah. has had a pretty quiet year and made far too many mistakes when on the field. So I, I can't see him starting for the Wallabies at all in the big game. You know, for, for me, I actually think Falafanga's mm-hmm. brought his name back into contention. I, I rate him above Fazla for sure. I think Fazla's had a good year coming through, and I think we've seen really that he has a lot of potential, but I'm not sure that he has the ability to scrum strong enough in test level yet, and I'm not sure that he's consistent enough around the, par- the park just yet, although I must say he's probably in the Parecki mould more than any other. Um, for me, I've got Falafanga on my bench, and then I think, you know, you can't go fast if they fit Bell and Tupo on the on the bench for me as well. Yep, I, 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 will, I will echo what you've just said. Um, I, yeah, I actually quite quite like Falafinger has been in a, a very rich vein of form and just bringing that experience as well, you know. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're right, Nos, Nos has had an opportunity to, uh, to take that reserve bench this year, kind of, you know, the starting Brumbies hooker, but just hasn't, Hasn't really taken that with both hands, has he? So yes, I would be surprised to see full our finger. And the only other one I want to throw in is, um, particularly with all these tight heads uh, injured, wouldn't surprise me at all to see Pony feature in there, Pony Far Masuli, um, just because bit of a curveball, um, just the kind of player. If, if particularly if Turbo's not around, that you'd love to bring off the bench just to, you know, hit, 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 mm. bring some solid hit ups at the end of the game. Yeah, or Siloff. He's he's uh, surely qualified, and he can play either side of the scrum either, mate. But now, nah, look, if we're not throwing those names out there because they're not really getting into it. Look, I I, I did say Falau Fainga. I mean, he really has. As I, I agree with you, Harry brought his name back into contention. But mate, oh, as if the the thought process when Eddie's talking all about cohesion, having a slipper, Fainga. Ala Alatoa is not a really, really, and I did say that before, and you clearly didn't listen when I said hookers of one of the Brumbies or ex Brumbies hookers. Um, that that is a really, really solid starting um, front row, and then you've got Preki coming on with Bell, and he's played a, a bits and pieces with Tupo 
um, across the last year and or so as well. So you've got two very cohesive front rows. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Um, guys, we'll push on. You want to take us into the last question while I get the images up? Yeah, so I, I put up last week, um, who do we think is going to be the the best smoky for the Wallabies? Someone who hasn't played for the Wallabies before, they will find their way into the Wallabies squad, whether it be for rugby champs or it be for the Rugby World Cup. And it was all randomly allocated. We we picked the guys that we thought would be up there. And by that, I mean, I pretty much I picked the guys. And I think we're, we're pretty pretty even across the board, to, to be fair. Guys we've talked about all, all season. And then they were randomly allocated slots. There's 16 of them. It was the round of 16, and we got the fans to vote. And we actually had a very big, you know, involvement from the fans for for all of these these battles. And you know, it, it, it's been something that'll be interesting to see move on over the next couple of weeks too. Yeah. So obviously, if we we just quickly run through it for those that aren't watching on YouTube. We had Jeremy Williams versus Carter Gordon. Do you have the percentages, Nels? Can you tell us how how close it was? Who actually got it up? I'll, I'll give you a second. Right. While while you're doing that, I would just suggest I would just uh, tease as well. I know Nelson's looking at doing the uh, the All Blacks biggest smoky. We might be maybe we're we're too late on that, Nelson. Now that they'll pick their squad, but hey, I, I still like a World Cup smoky. We can still give them a World Cup smoky. There's another squad to come out before then, so maybe it's an opportunity. So. Targi, if we were talking Jeremy Williams, Carter Gordon, two people that vote, two two people there. Who voted for for who percentage wise? 171 votes. How much did Flash Gordon win by? I feel like 90 percent or something, wouldn't it? He had 95 percent. So yeah. everyone yeah. wanted to see Carter Gordon through. Alex Murphy, Dylan Peach, Harry. How much did Alex Murphy win this one? Hey, do not ask this every time. You'll turn it into a four hour segment. <laughs> Just tell us the answers. Al- Alex Murphy won fifty-seven percent. Yeah. Uh, Jack Debrusini fifty-four percent over Luke. Hashtag the hand of God. Rhymer. Uh, battle number four. Matt Fazler eighty percent over Carlo Tizano. Battle That's five. Me, mate. Carlo Tizano has been so good. Yeah. I'm, I'm just seeing him drop out so early. To be honest, this is you, you did say it was randomly allocated, and I was so yeah. bummed because I would have picked Carlo Tizano over back both Jack Debrusini well, and Luke Rhymer. <laughs> oh, oh, there's there's actually been some surprises throughout this one, really. Like Dylan yeah, Peach is closer than Murphy. We've got a lot of hookers above Murphy. I don't, I don't know why his name's getting thrown up at the moment. Um, we had Max Jorgensen go down to Josh Fluke. Josh Fluke won this one, fifty three percent to forty seven percent, and that's just another one for me. Uh, I don't know if Fluke is putting his name up there yet. He's he's had some good matches, but. He's also had some pretty atrocious matches, so uh, I don't think he's he's there or thereabouts yet. Very early days for either of them, to be fair. We had Brad Wilkins, 75% over Ryan Smith. We had Tom Hooper, 81% over Josh Cannum. That's a that's, pretty big match. considering how good Cannum's been, that one. Massive. Mm. I know, and Tom Hooper hasn't played that much. Like, that is massive. And that was from 172 votes. That's that's probably just because uh, everyone's been listening to this podcast because we were talking about how good Canham was, but that's weeks ago. And then we've just been that's talking right. about how good Hooper has been. So, Correct. Correct. Yeah. And then the last matchup match match we had, Corey Tool and Blake, the brick shit house, dropped. Uh, he was decided in a running race, wasn't it? <laughs> Mate, I think so. Corey, Corey Tool won 75% because uh, Blake shot 25% that, right? of the way through the through the race at that point, I think. <laughs> all right very good. good 
So that will obviously continue through the week to come. Um, Nelson, I think you're going to put the, the next one up. When? When are you planning on doing that? Uh, it's probably going to go up tomorrow. The the four battles this week are Carter Gordon versus Alex Murphy, Jack Debrasini against Matt Fazla, Hooker, uh, Hooker versus Tens. That's interesting. Fluke versus Brad Wilkin and Tom Hooper versus Corey Tool. Yeah. Popularity it, so. contest continues. Can't That's wait. And the Corey Tool hotline <laughs> has been going off, might I say. It has. I mean, Jorgensen's born round one and Corey Tool's flown through straight straight through very yeah. easily. Here's a question for you: Who, Who's who's got who's more lightning, Corey Tool or Apuay Diante? Corey Tool, by oh, look at that! The, no bias, no Aussie bias here whatsoever. No, Diante is very got... strong as well, man. But Corey Tool, his whole game is speed. Like, there's no doubt he's faster. <laughs> I am speed. <laughs> Diante is more, you know, he he can beat you in multiple ways. Corey Tool is just beating you with lightning pace. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, look, any any further business or is this going to wrap up uh, another mm-hmm. episode, episode 22, was it 22 of 22, season right. six yeah. of the Draft Rugby Show? Thank you for joining us. And we will hit you again next week uh, to discuss the Super Rugby Pacific final and the Crusaders winning by 12, as I uh, announced. So um, and with and we'll be talking up uh, the two tries that uh, uh, settled down. Milani Nanai scored. And what was the other outrageous thing we picked to happen? Um, hey, classy, classy finish from you as always. Catch you later, everybody. Pat your dog for me. 